Hey guys, what's up, and welcome to pre-intro. Um, and now today, I think that this is a really good episode that I think you'll enjoy. Um, if anything sounds weird to you, I re- started recording it, I think, Friday, and now it's Monday that I'm finishing recording it. Um, but that's all I gotta say. It's a good episode. Um, be sure to follow me on Twitter, and yeah, enjoy the episode. conference prediction video so today we're going to be talking about so the u.s open starts on monday the first round does and so i'm going to be talking a little bit about some of the matches that i think are going to be good matches some upset potentials it's serena williams's last tournament before she retires um that's something we're going to be talking about college football starts tomorrow extremely excited for that if you could tell um obviously you can't see me so i don't know so college football starts tomorrow um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, and But before we get into this episode, is there a sport that you've tried to get into that you either were able to get into or couldn't get into? Just generally a sport you tried to get into, whether it worked or didn't work? Well, for me this year, it was actually two sports. So I was... So I've always been a Rangers fan. My dad is a Rangers fan. So I decided, why not like the Rangers as well? And so... He, or not he, um, or yeah, but he, well, he, he's always been a Rangers fan, so I'm just like, so I, I could tell you right now what the Rangers' problems are, how good they are, uh, who their best players are, whether they won their last game or not, I could tell you all that. I could. Would I say I follow them? Yes. But I, I started, so whenever the season started, they, they were playing a series against the Blue Jays, and I was, and I watched the first game. I haven't watched a Rangers game since then. I've maybe watched some highlights. I've maybe seen like a home run clip on ESPN or YouTube or something. But other than that, if I'm being completely honest, haven't really been watching them. Like I said, I'm still following them. But that's a sport that really I just haven't been able to get into. And it's the it can be it's not the same thing with the NBA. I would say if I see the Heat on TV, they're playing like the Warriors or the Bucks or some good team. I'm gonna sit down and watch that. I would say I'm more of a Heat fan than I am a Rangers fan, but I feel like it comes down to these seasons are way too long, man. Like I can't I don't know exactly. I think it's like 143 games or something in the MLB season. 
I can't sit down for 143 games in a row and watch a team play. If someone's like, yo, Preston, two tickets to a Rangers game, two tickets to a, I don't know, a random a random game, wherever, I don't know, the Giants, the Nationals, I don't know. Um, you want to go? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to, if I can, I'm going to say yes to that. But it's just not really a sport I've been able to get into to watch on a consistent basis. And now another one that I have been able to is soccer. Now soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, there's less than 50 games in a Premier League season. I've started to become a Manchester City fan. And now before any of you <coughs> call me a bandwagon, I, I was so out of soccer that I didn't even know Real Madrid won the UEFA. I didn't even know... Liverpool made the final. I didn't know Man City won the Premier League last year. I didn't know any of that. I went, me and my brother started playing FIFA in May, and so I don't. For some reason, I was Man. So he was, so he was Real Madrid. I decided I was going to be Man City just just for the fun of it. And he was talking about all Foden, dirty Englishman, and all that stuff. And uh, and I was like, you know, just because of that, Foden's now my new favorite player. And so ever since then, I've been paying attention to Foden and all that. And so, and so like, I've... So now that that's what made Man City my favorite team. And see, the beauty of soccer is there's only one game a week. So it's more enjoyable to watch. I can get... And see, I used to think, hey, um, soccer really isn't really... I mean, it's really, it really isn't that fun to watch, but but really, once you start to watch it, it's actually the less scoring that happens, which makes it even better. Like if you only see that one, if you only see a couple of goals when you've been sitting there watching for two hours, that's what gets your heart racing, right? I mean, if it's zero zero at the eighty fifth minute, and and you're just waiting for that game winning goal to happen, and it happens. It just gets you so much more hype than, like, a first-quarter touchdown in an NFL game, which still sick. I'm not saying it's not. I would watch – I'd probably watch more NFL, obviously, than I do soccer. I'm just saying. I've not been able to get into MLB. I have been able to get into NFL. But now let's hop right into the actual part of the episode. It's kind of just a um, – uh, beginning thing, and I'm, I might be going through some Twitter stuff about uh, college football that's happening tomorrow, reacting to it. Um, and yeah, so, and especially U.S. Open. So yeah, let's hop right into the episode. All right, so in the, so for the U.S. Open, there's really plenty of stuff to talk about. So the first thing is, is us really figuring out, hey, Novak is not going to be here because with him, uh, hold on, let me turn this down a little bit. So with him not being vaccinated, and it's still, it's the same thing as I said when he couldn't get into Australia. It doesn't matter what the rule is, whether it has anything to do with vaccine or COVID or, or anything at all. It does not matter. It doesn't matter what the rule is. If you can't follow that rule, you shouldn't get to play. I've seen a whole army on like Twitter and other social media sites and stuff saying, like hashtag let Novak play and all that stuff. I'm sorry. Is he one of the greatest of all time? Yes. Is he a top player in the world still right now? Yes. Is he a crowd attractor? Yes, he is. But if he can't follow the rules, it's. I mean, it's up to him whether he wants to get vaccinated or not. So it, that's what it comes down to. I don't think he should be allowed to play personally because if... 
I just, I don't see how, no matter how good he is, whether it's Nadal or Djokovic or Federer or, or anyone, even someone ranked like 90th in the world, you shouldn't be allowed to play if you don't, you don't, I mean, if this is a rule, if you don't want to follow it, okay. But there, you also shouldn't, you also still shouldn't be allowed to play. But at least this time, he hasn't made as big of a scene like he did in Australia, trying to get in, uh, like getting deported and like 10,000 people following his flight radar thing back home. But I know that some people, if they're interested at all in tennis, they would want to hear my opinion on that. My opinion is, whatever the rule is, if there's a rule in place and you don't follow it, you shouldn't get to play. And so that's my opinion on Novak. But now, this is Serena Williams' last dance. Now, obviously, the 23 major major titles... Obviously not able to get past Margaret Court. I don't see her getting past her here, the, here though. But nevertheless, if you don't think she's the GOAT, she is one. She, she's at least top three all time. So, I mean, she she's one of the greatest women's tennis players of all time. And so this is kind of a, this is obviously like the last hurrah. This is the, the last dance. Um, however far she gets here, even if she loses first round, loses in the semis, whatever, it's going to be her last match here at the U.S. Open. And I guess it does make sense to give her a proper send-off, in my opinion, because obviously she's American, one of the greatest players of all time. Why wouldn't her home slam, yeah, she's not from New York, but still home slam, why wouldn't the home slam give her uh, the proper like send-off or whatever? Um, and so she plays Donka Kovinich, I hope I said that right. And really, I know she's ranked 80th in the world, but this is kind of a tough matchup, in my opinion, for Serena because um, Kovinich, I feel like, from the bit I've seen of her playing, she hasn't really been able to consistently produce wins at a high, high level, like in the 1,000s and the 500s and stuff. But she, I've noticed she's been kind of known to have upsets upsets upset uh higher caliber players and while Serena obviously she's not in prime form anywhere near prime form anymore um I I mean she's still she's still I mean she hasn't shown it but I feel like she's still good enough to win a match or two but I kind of but this match is going to be very very tough I feel like if she's able to win this one she might not make it past the next round but um all I've got to say about Kovinich is, is while she hasn't always been able to produce at the highest level, she's been able to beat some of the best players in the world. I think she beat Swiatek before, or Shiantek, however you want me to say her name. I think she's beaten her before at some point. So, this is a tough first round. I find I kind of find it being a three-setter um, going either way, kind of like the Harmony Tan match did. Like, Harmony Tan, people didn't know where she had been when she beat Serena, ranked outside the top 100, but was able to come in and get the quote-unquote upset win and move into the second round. Um, And so I feel like this is kind of a similar feeling of a match, just with higher, not higher standards, just with different with a different type of atmosphere because it's Serena's last tournament because it's it's her home slam so I feel like obviously I feel like it's it's on Arthur Ashe it's there's gonna be a full crowd and so I feel like there's gonna be a different atmosphere to it but at the same time the same type of not feeling but the same caliber of a match like one of the greatest of all time like getting ready to be done playing against someone who's 
who hasn't really shown herself consistently at an extremely high level, but also has the potential to be able to beat someone like Serena and move into the second round and get a good result at the U.S. Open. So this is going to be a really interesting match, and the send-off for Serena Williams is happening. And so, yeah, so now let's let's talk about a few of the matches that I that I want to talk about. So, Thanasi Kakanakis and Nick Kyrgios. Obviously, as you know, uh, if you've been paying attention at all, they've been doubles partners for a while. They've got a wild card into the Australian Open, and I don't think they had much trouble moving in, moving farther into the second rounds, or the, not the second round, like the later rounds. They won the Australian Open. I don't think they had trouble winning. And so I, they won the title in Atlanta together. And so I feel like it's just kind of funny to see Kakanak is just a really great guy, it seems, kind of funny. And they're just like two best friends kind of just battling it out together, practice together, play together. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see what happens in that match, what goof, goofery, if that's even, it's not a word, but what happens there. And how it's taken, because it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Nick's the better player, but it'll ju- it's just going to be a really interesting match to watch. Um, so if I had to give a prediction, I would say Thanasi probably knows a, a lot about Kyrgios's game by now, um, playing with him and all that. So I'm gonna, I am gonna I would give him a set, but I just find Nick winning. But I think it's just going to be a very entertaining match to watch. I find it hard for them to have any conflicts, even with Nick being on the court, just because of who's on the other side of the net from him. So I, it's just a match that I'm really looking forward to, to be highly, highly entertaining to watch and uh I'm not sure if they're playing doubles together. Are they playing doubles together here? Um but but even on the topic of Nick, is there any reason why he shouldn't be competing for this slam? Um I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be. He obviously made the final in at Wimbledon and he's and he won the city open. Um and he's really kind of this is the longest stretch he's been without having some sort of tanking issue or I'm leaving the game, I don't like tennis anymore issue. He seems to be really focused and really locked in right now. Yeah, he still has his on court issues, but it really hasn't been hampering his success and obviously he's got one of the best records. He's I think he's nine and seven against like Nick or not Nick, obviously he's Nick, against Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, and Tsitsipas, just throw Tsitsipas in there, one of the best players in the world right now, but he, he's got a winning record, the best record, I believe, against the big three, so he'd already proven that he's able to beat the best players in the world, it's just, and including that 2014 Wimbledon win against Nadal, when he was extremely young, so he's already, he'd already been proven for a long time that he's one, that he's best one of the best talents in the world he just had it mentally and 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 like like he just hadn't kept it up because he he's had too many other things that have kept him from doing it and so I really feel like he's playing right now like a top 10 player I really do believe that so there's really no reason with no Djokovic the only guy who's been able to stop him this year really or like in this past since like the beginning of of summer when he made this run like after French Open since then I don't I forget what he did at the French Open if he even played it or not um but but from the near future that I remember the only guy that's been able to stop him in in big moments is Novak who beat him in that Wimbledon final. So I'm really in without 
and with the absence of Novak in this tournament, I'm just interested to see what's going to happen and whether or not he can push across the finish line, beat Nadal, beat Medvedev, beat beat Tsitsipas, beat those top players, because obviously that's what you need to do to make it to a slam final. But I really don't see any reason why, should he be able to get past his friend Kakanakis, why he's not contending for this slam. It's really just, can he get out of the five setters that he plays in quicker? Because there's players that he plays against that, that he can beat quicker, he just is unable to do so, which can help him for later in tournaments. And so really, I just feel like Nick has improved a lot physically and even mentally. I mean, I, I, I honestly can't believe I would be saying that about Nick right now, but he's been mentally not burned out. I mean, he it's not that he necessarily was before. It's just in his mind burnt out, um, I feel like, and, and just having so many distractions in order to stay on the court for and win matches consistently. And now it really seems like he's going to be able to do it. And I feel like I have heard things where after the U.S. Open, he's cutting off his season. So I feel like if he's able to... I feel like this is going to be a tournament where he should be contending based off the way he's been playing. He got the City Open. He made it to the final. I think he won doubles at the City Open, too. He made it to the final in... um, He made it to the final at Wimbledon. And the man that beat him isn't even playing in the U.S. Open. And his season's probably done. So I feel like it's just added confidence and added, like, will and want to win at this point. So, yeah, so I just feel like Nick, is he's going to be one of the contenders. And, yeah, moving on. All right, so I kind of want to go back to the U.S. Open a little bit after talking about Nick like that. Um, I just want to—let's just come in with a, a few matches I want to talk about. But first, Ben Shelton. I know it's kind of older news now. But he's decided that he's going to turn pro um, permanently after that run in Cincinnati. And personally, I wouldn't have done it yet because, I mean, I don't. I think that if he's successful enough to leave early, okay, that's fine. But I don't see how you can – I'm not sure how it's sustainable enough yet because tennis is a – not only is it hard, really hard to go pro in tennis, it's already hard. It's hard enough to sustain. You have to win consistently. There's no, like in the NBA, you can sit on the end of the bench and make that $900,000. But you don't have to play. The team doesn't have to win. But in pro tennis, you got to play at a high level and you got to win a lot to get that money. So I'm not saying that he can't be a successful player in the future. I'm just saying – I'm surprised by it because he's only he'd only been at Florida for two years, and so I'm just surprised that after one decent run at at a at a Masters 1000, a great run for him, um, that you're already deciding to turn pro. Because for all we know, he's only ranked 171 right now. For all we know, he could be out first round. We don't know. I mean, I don't know who I don't know who Borges is that he's playing, but he could potentially be out first round. You just never know. Because he hasn't, he doesn't really have that high level pro experience. I'm not sure he's played in a Grand Slam before. So I'm just saying, I would have stayed personally another year, gone to school and played some challengers, got my ranking up a little bit higher, um, and and tried to try to make sure I could sustain the success in the pros before I decide I'm just gonna I'm gonna drop out of school and go full time pro. Do I think he's good enough to be a consistent top 50 player? Yes, I do. Just, we don't know that yet. It, there's a lot of unknown for me to want to leave school early at that at this point. Um, but, I mean, obviously, it's ultimately his decision. And uh, I think he can be a great player. But it just all comes down to, is he going to be able to sustain now he's not at school anymore? 
because now it's obviously him going pro. It's now his. It's now his. I don't know. Like it's his. It's his main. It's his main job, obviously now. So will he be able to sustain? I think he can, but I'm just saying is, is it smart enough to go pro yet, before knowing how successful you can be? Obviously, again, he's already ranked inside the top 200. He's only 20 years old or 19. He might be, but is he good enough to sustain? We will have to find out. I think he is, but it's just unknowns for me to want to leave that quickly. Yeah, but so now I just want to, while I'm scrolling through the draws, I just want to see if there's any matches that I kind of want to stop on. Um, okay, that's a good one. Karenu Busta and the 2020 champion Dominic Team. Um, Dominic Team obviously coming back from injury. I think this is like his 10th or 11th tournament off the protected ranking. And really, for someone who's coming in ranked as low as he is, I like his draw is not that bad. Obviously, he's got to get through Karenu Busta in the first round, but really after that, I don't see any reason why he can't beat Gaston. And Buplik can be kind of up and down, in my opinion. Like, he could be a deep run potential, or he can be out first round. You just don't know. And then if he were to make it to the third round, it would either be Demon or Krajinovic, um, Garin or Lecha? I, I don't know. It's uh, some dude from the Czech Republic. Um, but... If he's able to make it to the third round, I don't see any reason why he can't make it past the third round because if, because really, if Team were still at his top form, I think in this whole grouping, he's better than everyone there. Um, is he better than like Medvedev or, or someone? No, not 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 at the moment. Um, and will he get back to there? We don't know. But I'm just saying, I feel like if he's able to get past his first round even and then lose. It's still something that's a big confidence booster because it's been a long time since he's played a three out of five set and and just at a grand slam in general. So I feel like in terms of going to Australia in a few months again, it'll be kind of a confidence booster for him, especially beating someone like Karenia Busta. So I just feel like with Dominic team, it just comes down to with him right now getting good results, getting good matches, and now just trying to win again, build the confidence, which I think the confidence has kind of started to come back a little bit, has to have, because he's been winning a few more matches. Because I remember at the beginning of the summer, there were times where first round loss, first round loss, first round loss, first round loss, which when you're trying to come back and you're using those tournaments on that protected ranking, it's like you're, you don't, you only have so many protected ranking tournaments and you only have so many matches where it's like, okay, I got, I got. It's hard to build confidence off of a first round loss, and so I feel like now he's kind of in a good position in terms of coming back from injury. He's got a decent first round draw, not good by any means, but decent. A match that is possible to win, and um, he's coming off of a few good results. Um, even after losing to Draper, I feel like you still have to be a little bit confident in yourself, a little bit optimistic in yourself to be able to pull through. So really, I feel like in this match, it's going to be interesting because Krenja Busta, obviously, we know how good he is. And, and will Dominic Team be able to bring some top form into this match? Because if he's able to do that, I don't see any reason why it doesn't go five sets and come out either way. So I just feel like if Team's able to get this win... He can really get back into full form. I think for him it just comes down to getting the wins to get back into full form because the more matches he plays, the more confidence he's going to gain and the more in shape and match ready he's going to be to get back to what he was at before. So, yeah, but that's just an interesting match for me just to want to look into. And then over on the women's side, if I had to choose an upset, it would probably be 
Maria Sakari over Tatiana Maria. Uh, other way around. Maria over Sakari. Uh, because, I mean, obviously we know how good Sakari's been playing, but we also know how good Maria's been playing. Um, and obviously, Sakari's solidified herself as one of the top players in the world, but all at the same time, um, Tatiana Maria with the semifinal run at at, the, at Wimbledon. I mean, she has to be coming in with confidence. Played, has played relatively well. Not as good as she did at, at Wimbledon, but has kind of not completely, but in a good way, ba- a little bit backed up her success. So that is a match that really I want to watch out for, um, as potentially being a match where a top seed is out in the first round. All right. So and finally, without Djokovic. Now it's going to be interesting to see. I really feel like it can be a lot of people's major. Will Nadal get to 23? Will he pull away one more again? Technically, Nadal is still a defending champion because I think the last time he played, he didn't play in 2020. He didn't play last year. And so really, technically, he's a defending champion because he hasn't played in one since the one that he won. So... I also still feel like it's Medvedev's game, but Medvedev also said a little bit ago, like or a few weeks ago or something, hey, Nadal could be number one after the US Open. He's more of a chance than I do because, I mean, and I can see why he says that because there's more of a chance because Nadal didn't play it last year. He doesn't have any de- he doesn't have any points to defend right there. But Medvedev winning it last year, He's got 2,000 points to defend, so he can't even gain points this week. The best he can do is by winning a Grand Slam. Oh, yeah, very easy, isn't that one? Um, Get break even and not even go anywhere. But Nadal, by winning one match, gains points. Nadal can lose in the second round. I think you get ranking points for the first round. So, really, Nadal can lose in the first round and get points. Um, It wouldn't really help him that much because of how high he is in the rankings, but still. Um, And with Djokovic... No Zverev, so he's put, his points are going to be lost soon. Um, and no Djokovic making the final last year, so he's going to lose like a 1,000 points or something. So really, I can see where he's coming from. I can see why he says, hey, Nadal can be number one after the U.S. Open or to end the year because he just has less points to defend and the top players aren't here, right? So there really is no reason why Nadal can't get – because if, if Medvedev – Medvedev loses in the semis and Nadal loses in the fourth round. Nadal gets way net income, income. Um, gets way in terms of points income. Gets way more than Medvedev does because I don't know how the points breakdown is, but Nadal gets X number of points while Medvedev is losing points. No matter where he gets, he can't do any more than do zero percent more, zero percent less by breaking even. So really, I could see Nadal has a cl- legitimate shot of getting back at number one by doing really well here at the U.S. Open. So that'll that's another storyline for me that's interesting to see. Yeah, but the next thing I want to talk about is college football is back. Um, you know, i got to go back to school today. It is 6.32 right now. i got to go in a couple of hours. Or not a couple of hours. It's like a weird day today. But, you know, this time of year, always just exciting to get college football back. And that's really it. Like, week zero... There's always there's not necessarily the best games on, but but I enjoyed watching the Nebraska Northwestern game, and um, it's just a signs of like yes, finally it's back, and we got the NFL coming back in a couple of weeks, and um, yeah, so really just that Nebraska game was good. I mean Nebraska, I mean 
I wonder what's going to happen with Scott Frost because he can't seem to get over the line of winning the close games. Because last year, I mean, I saw this video on YouTube where um, their points margin was plus 63, I think it was, but they were 3-9. and nine. And so clearly the games that they lose are very close, but they, so they just can't get over the finish line. And so I wonder what's going to happen in the near future in this season. They have two easier games coming up. I think it was Georgia Southern and like North or it was like something. It was like Dakota. I think it was South Dakota State or maybe something, something like that. Um, but but they got two winnable games there. Um, and so those are two games that they have to win. And then they have to go to Oklahoma, or I don't know if they go to Oklahoma, but they play Oklahoma. And so that's how I'm interested to see. I mean, if they can get that win, then that'll be interesting for their season. But nevertheless, college football is back. Florida State beat Duquesne. I watched that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited for college football to be back and full swing.